you need decent leadership to make it work, but it, teams get things done, right? Not not individuals in, in cubes. It's about being effective and impactful. And you start to love that. And then just helping things go is, is joyful. It's just, just exciting. I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move Fast, Fast, Break Shit, Shit, Burnout, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. We're excited to have time today with Toby Eduardo Redshaw. Toby is a global business and tech transformation leader focused on P&L impact, competitive positioning, and future-proofing. He's multilingual and multicultural, having worked and lived on four continents. Born and raised in Mexico City and proud to be a U.S. citizen since 2014. Toby is known for driving competitive advantage through innovative real-world strategy and speed of execution in high-growth, high-service, and high-technology environments. He has decades of leading-edge innovation, startup, and venture capital Silicon Valley experience. He was awarded a Top 50 Global CIO by Information Week and Top 25 CTO by InfoWorld. He's the former SVP of Enterprise Innovation and 5G Solutions at Verizon, something near and dear to my heart too. He's advising countless startups and foundations. And importantly, he's also gracious enough to be an advisor for our very own Catalyst Leadership Trust, an invitation-only executive community dedicated to providing safe, collaborative learning environment for Catalyst leaders, which we run with our good friends at Samudra. Thanks for being here with us today, Toby. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So we'd love to start off by hearing how you relate to the word, the concept of catalyst. So, I, you know, it's sort of a um, evolution for me. You know, when I, was, when I was very young and and just, you know, full of fire for business, it was, I'm the front of the boat. I'm going to lead this. Come on, everybody. Let's go. And, and I had sort of an epiphany when I was about 23. I read a little book from uh, Andy Grove about leadership. And what, what it sort of tells you is, look, forget the whole argument about leadership and management and all the hocus pocus around that. It, it's what you do and what you impact. And when you re- once you realize that that's how things work, and when you look at the real world and go, you know, it's really teams that get things done. Now, teams need leadership, but it's not really one person at the front of the boat. There are different people in there. Then you look at how great teams work. There's always something catalytic in there and I, and I just remember going, that's my role. Drop me in, in the chemical soup. I'll be the catalyst to make this reaction go, uh, go faster. And, um, and it, it's a more humble, more engaging approach to things, but it's way, way more, uh, way, way more productive. So, so when I, I, I sent you an email, when I read the book, went, holy cow, this is, this is awesome, right? Right on, uh, uh, on the mark, because I do think People should know more about this and see those patterns uh, and enable this. Yeah, thanks for all your notes. It was fun to get your readout from the book. So we'd love to hear about what you're catalyzing right now. Maybe set some context and how you're catalyzing within that scene. So uh, super lucky. Um, I'm coaching, advising 14 different uh, things, some really, really lightweight uh, businesses, some, some a little more um, uh, I- intensive. And it's, and it's really about looking at their situation, not what you bring to the table, but looking at their situation. What do they need? Where are they in their development? 
Um, and then doing those nudges and that engagement and that help and that, that uh, catalyst work. And then I'm doing 10 uh, crazy cool pro bono uh, things. Some uh, are just pro bono work, like working with Cards to Care, which is this uh, a social justice, uh, equity and inclusion consultancy, just helping that for free. And then some are straight up uh, charities like 2041 uh, doing uh, fantastic work for uh, for the Arctic. And it's it's showing up, being useful, being helpful, uh, uh, and not worrying about the front of the boat or the spotlight. And in that role, are you seeing a theme about the challenges that your sort of catalyst experience is, you know, grappling with or connecting the dots to help yeah, them? Yeah, I, I, I am. I mean, several, six, six of the early stage uh, companies that I'm working with are new category definers. Um, you know, the, the next gen thing in big data, the next gen thing in immersive participative audience engagement, IPAE, uh, which will change uh, education, a really clever AI NLP way to uh, harvest knowledge and drive engagement from teams, sort of AI I plus humans, but all of it's inside of a, man, we're going through a set of change waves. A lot of that's technology, some of it's not, all landing at the same time, layer on top of that, uh, uh, COVID and the sociological and and humanistic um, impacts of that. All everything I'm dealing with is struggling with progress and change and stress. All maybe more impactful, a uh, heavier load than than I've ever seen. So it part of that is harder. Part of that is just joyful to be in there and be helpful during during those times. Right. Yeah, I'm super curious because I can imagine Catalyst listening who might be working in large organizations now, um, sitting with Envy, listening to you being in the role where people are bringing you in for your Catalyst. I mean, obviously all your work experience and your Catalyst nature, that problem solving and dot connecting. Um, and I'm, I'm, it sounds like, I'm, I'm curious, like what the challenges are, like when you're helping and you can see the vision for what these organizations do, is there still some of the same tension of bringing them along on that vision, even though you've, they've asked you to come along as the role of advisor, or are they more likely to listen to you in that role? Yeah, I, I think there's two, two things in there, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, man, I hope I get a bunch of change today, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you've, you've all seen organizations that go, we love change. No, you don't. Humans don't love change. You're not even, you're not wired for it, that it has to be managed properly and it has to be done um, uh, in the right way. The, the second thing is it's more of an, a, a networking thing, right? And I think this is also a story for, for catalysts. You, you are your own impact and the impact of everybody you influence. And if you are a catalyst, then that's sort of like your mission, right? Your, your sort of raison d'etre, you're that catalytic thing. But, but the key to networking is really, really simple, right? If you want to have a good, effective network, just be useful. Start with, I got a question, I'm gonna try and be useful. Um, and once you, once you take that sort of view, it sort of recalibrates the, I'm gonna charge through that brick wall to, you know, there's a couple of ways to get around the wall, there's a couple of ways to get over the wall. Um, what is more useful, not useful to you, but useful to the mission, useful to the team. Uh, and, and sometimes that really opens up uh, other more interesting uh, uh, avenues, especially if you're thinking about, okay, my impact four months from now, 
you start thinking that way and it's, oh, to be useful, I've got to bring these people along and I've got to make them feel included. It can't be just, you know, hair on fire, uh, young Toby uh, bulldozing people. I had a mentor tell me when I was, gave me a massive promotion when I was 23 at FedEx and pulled me aside and he said, now we've got to work on all the dead people in your wake. And I go, what are you talking about? Well, you just keep charging through the wall and you leave people behind dead. They all want to murder you. And I'd never thought of this in my life. I was like, I got it done. And we, you know, I was the guy you give the broken disaster to and Toby will fix it. And, uh, and I would toss people off teams that weren't keeping up. And yeah, there are a bunch of people and, and opened my eyes to, to that very, very lucky. Uh, Bob McWhorter in Colorado did that for me. That's amazing. And it's like one of the things that we really <clears throat> try to capture in the book and in the classes is helping Catalyst understand that very important thing, like you need to bring the people along with you because even if you're successful the first time, to your point, license to operate again might not be there and you're going to become toxic potentially in the organization. Um, and basically, it sounds like what your mentor's incredible advice was about was also just developing like the self-awareness first of like, yeah. how am I showing up and impacting these people? And, and then if we fast forward to how you, you talk about helping the startups, you're like, I'm there in service of them. I'm here, there to help them achieve their goals because then you're constantly aligned with their needs, their desires, thinking about the impact that it'll have. What was that journey like for you to go from that piece of pretty harsh feedback to the place you are today? Yeah, and, and super lucky he gave me the job, right? The, it was yeah. 64 people up for the job, four finalists. Two of them were lifelong friends of his that stopped talking to him. So wow. really big thing for him to um, uh, him to, to see that in me and, and then let me uh, go that way. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really a change of your mental framework, right? I'm, step one is I'm, my output is my output plus everybody that I influence and catalyze. And that has to be about bringing humans along, not just doing, doing this. And then the other framework that's really super useful is, you know, in the world, there's really, there's 48 different buckets of information, but there's really two big ones. There's stuff like what's the capital of Paris, who won the World Series in 1942, uh, what's the atomic weight of lead. There's one correct answer to all of those. Actually, there's two atomic weights for lead, but there's, uh, th that's one answer and people think, especially in Western cultures, think that um, uh, everything is like that. And so my right answer to this marketing right. problem or this change management problem is the right answer. And I will defend that against you. It, it's not true. The bucket of information that we work in business is not what's the capital of France. It's not at all like that. There's a, a gradient from really, really bad idea to really great idea and somewhere in here are a bunch of really good ideas that will all work. And it's not really honestly about picking the best idea. The thing is about executing which one you picked in the best way. And that's about engaging teams. And that's about driving them, not spending too much time during analysis and understanding that's the kind of information. And once you frame things in your head that it's not, you know, what's the capital of Paris or the square root of four, you then start to listen more in different ways and you go, oh, you know what? That thing that Sujit said, if I incorporated it into my thing, that would make it better um, and, and, and be open, uh, uh, be open to that. 
Yeah, it's totally spot on. And um, what we find is catalysts will, we can use the empathy when we're out in the like sensing and dot connecting and talking with the customers and all the stakeholders. And then we become so convinced and we do have a lot of data that backs up we, you know, our opinion at that point, but we come in and we can be like a bull in a china shop without the empathy and awareness that you're talking about is like, well, is this really aligned with the strategy? Are people really going to buy into this change? Does it serve some of their personal kind of objection objectives as well as their organizational ones? So yeah, and, really good advice. And, and the key in that is to remember that whole thing you're thinking about, there is no one right answer. So right. As, as in love as you are with your own idea, you know, humans irrationally, consistently, predictably overvalue anything they think they've had uh, a hand in uh, in designing or building. I mean, that's one of the fundamentals of behavioral economics, and they give Kahneman a Nobel Prize for that. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, you irrationally love your things. Children are, are a perfect example, right? People overvalue their own uh, their own kids uh tremendously also your own ideas now my daughter's perfect but but most other people's aren't yeah um i want to hand it over to tracy because we have some questions sort of pivoting from you as the leader to advice for people and advice to yourself back in the day ready for the rapid fire toby go i'll be all succinct. right and my daughter is with you she's perfect too nice so you know at least we have two in the world there are two that's right all right, first rapid fire. What actionable nuggets of advice do you have for the catalysts out there? Said another way, what do you wish that 23-year-old self had known? Um, I, the, the biggest thing is the combination of people's ideas is always, the cumulative IQ is always better than the smartest guy in the room. And oh, by the way, that is how you get people going, right? Back to that behavioral economics thing I talked about. We're all involved, I feel engaged, I feel listened to. And oh, by the way, we've now got a better path than that idea that I had when I walked in the room. Why do you think that's so hard for us as catalysts to really embody and, and live by? Cat catalysts are active, they're proactive, they're action-oriented, they have thought through these things. They're better at program management than most people because most people are awful at it. Um, and so all of that tends to make you believe that, um, yeah, I'm right. This is, I am right. This is the right way to go. And, and, and then here's the other, um, the other bad thing. People attach their egos to their work too much, yes. right? And I learned this very early on from, yeah. it's, I have right behind that book is a, a glass plaque. Um, uh, from Colin Powell and his rule number three is don't attach your ego to your mission uh, or your idea because when your idea takes a hit or gets modified you're fine and so yes. people get this psychological ego defense of well if my idea isn't great or as great as I thought that diminishes me no no remember that cumulative IQ a bit of Sujit's and Sarah's and Susan's ideas all melded together will be better and oh by the way if this idea is slightly better than this, but this one's executed at 110%, this one's executed at 70, this one wins and engagement leads to really good execution. So it's this really lovely uh, uh, sort of flywheel effect if you can do that. Um, also, you'd be surprised how much love and respect you get when you go, yeah, you know, I was wrong. That, your idea is way better. Let's go, 
let's go do that. I love that so much, right? And, and that, that ego part takes me back to, to the discussion of kids, right? Our ideas feel like our children, right? Like it, I feel yeah. like with Catalyst, it's not, not just yeah. ego, but it's this, this, this depth of feeling like we are responsible to birth something. Yeah, there's a lot of lovely experiments that literally show humans overvaluing things irrationally that they've had a hand in uh, hand in building. Dan, Dan Ariely out of, out of Duke has done a bunch of those. It's just, it's just funny to see, but that's how, how humans are. And look, I, I, I've got a gigantic ego, so I've got to be really careful of that. I love me. Right. Uh, and I always have. So, uh, and, and heaven forbid I'm high verbal because then in Western culture that convinces you you're smarter than you are. So I really have to manage that uh, well. But what, what I've learned to do is love outcomes, right? Love impact. And, and that's a team thing. It's got leadership in there. It's more catalyst than it is leadership. Um, you need decent leadership to make it work, but it, teams get things done, right? Not not individuals in, in cubes. It's about being effective and impactful. And you start to love that. And then just helping things go is, is joyful. It's just, just exciting. Such a gift. I just want to re-listen to that again and again. All right, rapid fire two. What is the worst part about being a catalyst, Toby? Um, the cultures don't always like extended engagements from catalysts, right? Cultures get to a point where, God, we've really got to change. We need to bring in some catalysts, whether they put it that way or not, right? Innovators and stuff. So let's go. It's hard. Change is difficult, especially when it's, um, you know, upstream against a uh, uh, upstream against the culture. And after a while that, that I know 10 big companies, I just turned down a giant job at one of them where their culture is so entrenched, the life of a catalyst from outside would be 18 months, right? And, yeah. and so I just kind of went, no, you, you can't get there from here. You need to do some more internal change uh, uh, before you can. So just, just understand that. The, the one bit of advice is never ever swim upstream against a culture by accident. Find a culture coach, someone who's been there for 20 years and you go, okay, how does this land in your culture, right? Yes. If you were going to Borneo, uh, that would make a lot more sense. But most new jobs are like going to Borneo, right? It's different. They have different structures. They think about things differently. Um, and so don't swim upstream by accident. Do it on purpose occasionally. Let people know, but manage that, uh, manage that proactively. Be, be very aware of the behaviors and the culture of the company you're in. I love that. That is incredible advice. All right. So what's the right team anthropology tab? All right. So what's the best part about being a catalyst? Oh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's getting stuff done, right? It's achievement. The, the entire pyramid, the 500 books that have been written on, on motivation boil down to three things, job content, which is a psychological thing in your head, a discussion for another day, uh, accomplishments against that mission and that content, and then recognition of those, uh, um, of those accomplishments. And that's, you know, motivated me. Uh, I did an experiment once by accident when I was like 22. Motivated me is 10 times more productive than non-motivated me, right? And I, I learned this 
having a week of non-motivated, uh, angry at the world, Toby. Um, uh, and so one week, getting... just one week. He's like, I'm just, I can see it now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was mad at the world. I was. It's a good story, but not for now. But so, um, uh, getting that sense of accomplishment is just motivational. And and look, this is going to sound a little silly, but if you want to be happy at work and you want to feel realized and you want to feel valued, you've got to be part of a team that gets stuff done and is accomplishing things because then it's. Napoleon said, um, give me uh, uh, enough medals and ribbons and I'll win any campaign you want. People, people love, no matter how well you think you've got your ego uh, done, being part of a team that got something done, that won, that achieved, and then got patted on the head, basic human behavior. And oh, by the way, it's delicious. I feel like you're, it's like you're psychic and you already feel my final rapid fire question with that answer, Toby. So Uh-oh. what advice do you have for executives in finding and leveraging their catalysts? So there, there are a lot of sort of conceptually simple things in business that are actually in the real world kind of detailed and kind of complicated. And, you know, executives end up screwing those up, right? Like put a gun to the head, that's a terrible metaphor, but grab a thousand executives and give them a truth serum and go, okay, explain strategy, explain how it, it typically, what are the two big root causes of it failing, explain change management, tell me how motivation works, describe how behavior drives culture, and you'll get this mumbo jumbo nonsense, or, you know, are catalysts important? Yes, okay, tell me what one is. Well, it's like a, you know, it's a chemical, and you put it in the tube, and no. so can, and modern technology is this way too, conceptually really simple, but practically difficult to do and complicated. So you need to learn about this. You need to engage. You need to find uh, information and useful resources. Um, and that, I mean, that's why, that's why I love this book, right? It, it, not, it not only lays this out and decomplicates decompl- it. I'm not even sure that's a word, but... Um, <laughs> It does it in a storytelling narrative way, which is how humans onboard information, right? The giant lack of storytelling in in everything we do. And it tells this great story. So once you understand it better as an executive, you'll know where this fits. You'll know why it's really important. Uh, You'll know how to manage and encourage uh, those people. We spend all this time on like Myers-Briggs to figure out and engage Mm -hmm. people. Um, uh, Catherine Myers graduated university in in 89, 1889, uh, with a degree in agriculture. Um, so if you're, if you're willing, and, and I am an ENTJ that always have been, but if you're willing to think about those things, you should read up on this, you should study it, you should connect with other people, uh, and also try to find a way to connect your catalysts to each other, right? Yes. Having a network uh, uh, of sort of common pain and common challenge and uh, a commonality makes makes those folks less lonely, more productive, uh, more more listened to. We couldn't agree with you more. That was fantastic. Well done. All right. So, Toby, are there any calls to action that you would love to share with our audience? Yeah, I, I think there's one macro thing that that I tell um, that I tell uh, everybody. Right. That uh, you know, five to ten years from now with the massive growth in, in information and the extension of everything internet and maybe even some 
metaverse and some 3.0, um, things are all going to be measured and managed and a lot more transparent. And if your thing is not truly socially responsible and truly green and, and truly equitable and truly caring about the things in my community as an employee or as a customer, the lovely gigantic biggest economic segment ever on earth that we refer to as Gen Z will migrate enough of their spend away to where it'll really hamstring your company, if not kill it. So get focused on that, get real uh, uh, on that and um, do it just for self-preservation if, if, if it's not something that you know, everybody intellectually goes, oh, yeah, I care about that stuff. It's, you know, except, uh, you know, blatant racists and misogynists. But almost everybody will say, oh, yeah, I'm all on board on with that. And then you look at what they're really doing and you kind of go, yeah, you say it's one of your stakeholders, but it's sort of the, 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 the person you've kept trapped in the basement or in the attic for the stepchild uh, uh, for it is. And, and so the one test you should do uh, as an individual and as a company is make a list of the rhetoric about that ESG area, right? What do we say? How do we talk about it? Bing, bing, bing. And I bet you that's a glowing, lovely list. Now make a list of reality. How many Latinos do you have in middle management, right? Most companies super suck at that, right? Um, how many do you have on the board? And substitute any word you want for Latinos. But um, compare your rhetoric to your reality, uh, do it because it's the right thing to do and it's the right business thing to do. Well said. So awesome. What a great place to, to end. It's also sort of my personal mission statement. So I'm glad that you threw that out there. Um, and it's also, I have to say, part of the reason that I'm so grateful to have you advising us as we build the Catalyst Leadership Trust, because that is, it's about purpose. It's about connecting these, you know, change agent, change agent leaders across the organizations around the world um, and helping them move into action on the things that you're talking about. So thank you for your support there. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at www.catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book that Toby was mentioning, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout. And if you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way.